everyone. How are you today? It's Michelle. I'm sitting here, well, not sitting with, but chatting through the computer with uh, my good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? Hey, Michelle, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm actually sitting here with a glass of wine because we usually do our recordings in the morning. This time it's evening and I have a glass of wine that I'm sipping on while we chat. Wow, you're going to get fun tonight. I know because this is my second glass. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you're ahead of me. Yeah. I will say, and no judging here, that I am sitting here with a glass of champagne. No surprise. Uh, it's only four o'clock where I am, but I'm already in my pajamas Oh, already. And I am not apologizing for it. You shouldn't. And I actually wish I were in my pajamas. I It didn't even occur to me to slip into my pajamas before we started recording. That would have been a nice touch. Well, you can hit pause if you want to go put <laughs> no, your no, pajamas no. on. No, no, okay. we're we're on a roll. We'll, we'll get started. Yeah, well, I figured, you know, we don't do this over Zoom. We do it over another application. So we don't have a camera where we have to look at each other. So unless I said something, you would not know I'm in pajamas. But I am, and I'm 100% comfortable nice. talking yeah. to my friend having a glass of champagne and just uh, decompressing, finally. I know, life is good. I have no, um, well, I should not say that I don't have any um, stress, because <laughs> I do, <laughs> because just when I get back from planning the wedding, wedding, yes. like all the details that I need for those days that were there in Texas, I get home and discover, oh, I have still got to book plane tickets and organize schedules, and make sure all of the travel comes together. So that's what I've been doing for the last two days. And I'm finally getting ahead of it. And then something else gets dropped in my plate. Uh, Damn it. Damn it. I feel your pain. As when you were in Texas, I had to take an unexpected trip to Cleveland and then Atlanta. So I'm talking to you from Atlanta tonight. And I know that feeling. It's like, just when I think I have everything under control, plans change, and it's like, dang it, <laughs> I got to start over. So here we are. Yeah, here we are. And I am happy to say that I am feeling a little bit better about the dress I will be wearing at the wedding because I did find one. Yay! Yay, right? And the best part about this dress is it requires no spanks. None. I don't have to suck in that belly at all because this dress will hide it. And it's gorgeous. You sent me a photo of it. I love it. You are going to look spectacular. Thank you. Yeah, now the whole look is coming together. Um, Rob's in Anchorage right now, and I reminded him to bring me the shoes I wanted to wear. So hopefully he remembers to pack them. He thinks they're ugly, but I think they'll work perfectly with the dress. So the rest of your trip to Texas was good everything went smoothly. You're happy with all the plans for the wedding. We're on the countdown to the, the big day. We are on the countdown. It's, I think, six weeks. Wow. Yep. So soon. So yep. Everything is good on that front. Just the little details that all have to come together. And people don't always respond to you in the time frame that you would like them to respond to you. So I'm trying to get a shuttle and I'm trying to get a cigar thing going. And it's nice. like, come on, people. I'm on a schedule here. I know. I'm waiting. Pretty soon I'm going to sick you on them or worse yet, I'll sick <laughs> Rob on them to get the answers. There you go. I'll, I'll do what I can to help. 
Yeah. So how is your trip to Cleveland? Well, you're in Atlanta now, but I know you went to Cleveland for an unexpected funeral. I'm sorry again for your loss. Mm -hmm. How did that all go? You know, like you, planning, especially when it's not in your plan. And maybe I need to be more flexible, learn how to be more flexible in my life. But when you have a whole plan to do something and then someone unexpectedly dies or something, life just happens. And very last minute, you have to rearrange everything. I see my best moments and I see my worst moments because it's about planning and replanning and unplanning and canceling and rebooking. And I was supposed to be at the Las Vegas market this week for my shop buying you know, new product for my shop. And on Easter Sunday, we got a call from one of my relatives. And I should give you a little backstory about my mom and her siblings. They are a unique group of five. My mom is having a birthday and she is turning somewhere in her late 80s. I don't, in, in case she would ever listen to this, I wouldn't want to embarrass her and give her real age, but she is getting up there in her 80s. And she has four siblings. My mom is the oldest. They lost their dad when my mom was 10. So they were all five kids, all under the age of 10, grew up together. And then they lost their mom relatively young. Their mom was only 60 when she died. And that was in 1968, I believe. And this group of five... (laughs) siblings decided that every year they would get together. And maybe I've talked about this in our podcast before, but twice a year, these siblings and their families come together for a reunion. And they do it at Thanksgiving, and they do it a week in the summer. And we never thought we'd see any of them die. (laughs) And my mom's sister was in a car accident right before Easter, and complications to some surgery she had And she died very quickly after her surgery. And it was unexpected. And it was very surreal to think that this group of five siblings were no longer together. And the backstory is, is that, and I have been marveled by this over and over again, that the uniqueness of these five siblings and how close their relationship has been their entire adult lives Their spouses have all joined this family and how close all of the families have been. And I have very close cousins, cousins that I feel are more like siblings to me than cousins because we grew up together. And because of these twice a year reunions that not everyone makes every year, but we get together twice a year, every year without fail until COVID. Right. And that's what I was thinking about when you were sharing the the story is how hard it is to just get together with one person, let alone five different people and their families as people move across the country, time, busyness. So that is really remarkable that they've been able to keep that commitment to themselves and each other and that relationship. So, wow. Yeah, those words hit hit home. Right. When we think about it, Logan, my little grandson, is the start of the fourth generation 
of this family. And he's not the start. We have my niece, Elise, has two kids too. But we are well into our fourth generation of this family, this very large extended family that comes together twice a year. And the ironic thing about this is my one of my uncles, who's one of these five siblings, had put out several emails this spring saying, hey, I think if COVID's taught us anything, we're not all going to live forever. Let's make an effort to come together this summer in case it's our last opportunity. Because we had to cancel Thanksgiving and um, Lake Michigan last year because of COVID. And I think it really struck all of us that because that's never happened. We've never canceled. We've never had a year that we've canceled either of these get-togethers. And this year we canceled two of them. And it was very important to my uncle that we all come together one more time. And then my aunt, his sister, (laughs) was in a car accident and died. I mean, your uncle had the foresight to see the value of what was Lost what we had important this yeah how important this upcoming summer is and just to have that loss right before just a little bit short just makes that wound a little bit deeper it does and to know that our op- opportunity passed and it won't happen and i blame the pandemic for that but i don't know if we would have been as appreciative of this situation had we not had to deal with a pandemic and we would have had to cancel And we're talking, this goes back to 1968. I think that's the first year we started doing this. So we're talking a lot of years that we've been doing this. And this is the first year that it didn't happen. And it was our last opportunity. And I can say at my age, I was telling my children this, that this whole thing with COVID has really struck me as what if the last time I saw someone was the last time I would see someone. And it really struck home with me. Yeah, that really hits back to a conversation my sister and I had years ago. And she said that parenting is like a slow grief because you never know when that last time is going to be that you get to read your child a story. Like in that moment, are you realizing that this is the last time you're going to read your child a story? Or when you drop your kid off at school and they run back and give you a hug in that moment, are you realizing that this is the last time that they're going to run back and give you a hug before that is a thing of the past? And so parenting is all about letting go, but the pandemic is teaching about like, all those small steps to letting go also, because you don't know, it's unpredictable. Right. And I think we all felt that, but boy, I love that conversation that you had with your sister. I remember having that conversation with Jeff about our kids, not so detailed, but more about when the kids were in high school. This may be the last time the five of us ever get to go on a vacation again together because of the kids' schedules, because you know when they start getting married, will we all be able to come together for Christmas? Or is this our last Christmas together? And boy, I'm feeling like this conversation is getting so depressing. (laughs) I feel like we have just plummeted into the depths of depression when we talk about this. But Well, the the best part is I get a chance to edit it also. (laughs) So I'll try to edit it in a more upbeat way. Yeah, yeah. But... What I really wanted to talk about with you is 
courage because I have witnessed so much courage in the last week. I witnessed courage from my mom. I witnessed courage from my sister. And I was thinking about it. It's like, well, so big deal. We all deal with, we all have to deal with courage. We all have to find our courage. But sometimes I feel like courage just happens because it has to. And I think a lot of times we're reluctant participants when courage is needed. So it's such an important topic for me right now because I just dealt with that. And so I was wondering if you would be interested in talking a little bit about courage. Of course. And actually, when you first brought up wanting to talk about courage, my immediate thoughts went to courage in the most grandiose way or in the big picture or what you hear about on the news. You hear about that firefighter running into the fire. You hear about those police officers running into the middle of a situation. I mean, I was thinking of those more grand gestures of courage, but courage is definitely not that. So it has really had me thinking about my definition of courage and those times when it's really been, it's just that quiet whisper. It's that whisper at the end of the day that's like you can do it and it nudges you forward. It helps you grow, but it's steps that we take either, as you said, reluctantly because we have no other choice or that conscious decision we make to do better, to move forward. Right. And to dig deep. And it's funny that you say that because I found a quote um, about courage that I just love. And the quote was, courage does not always roar. Many times it's that silent voice that says, just try again. And that quote was by a woman named Marianne Radmacher. And I don't know who that is, but I want to give her credit for that quote because I just think, yeah. In fact, I think courage is rarely a roar. I think a lot of times it's just that silent voice inside of you that says, you can do this. And whether you want to or not, just get up and try again. And and I saw a lot of that this week with my mom, especially. Yeah. And you just had courage right there, whether or not you know it, because you tried to pronounce that last name the correct way. <laughs> yeah. True. Good point. Yeah. I would have just spelled it out probably because I wouldn't have wanted to slaughter it, but it sounded really good the way you said it. So, well, and who knows? Maybe I did slaughter it. Maybe I slaughtered it. But I'm, I'm still trying to give her credit for the quote. And that's, I think, what's, what's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And as she should have credit for that quote, because it's so true. I was just thinking last night as I woke up in the middle of the night, not feeling the best. You know, my legs hurt a little bit. I had a little bit of a headache. And my mind immediately jumped to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that I just got. <laughs> right. And the fact that it's been now halted. So in those moments at night, when you terrify yourself even more. Yes. And you you work yourself up. It's the courage to say, hey, stop. Take a deep breath. Revisit tomorrow. And yeah. no. So yeah, it took me a lot of courage to take a vaccine that was new to the market. And then I do. And this is what I get. <laughs> I don't know about it. Right. And it is. It's so scary. And I have to say, I actually had a panic attack myself. And I'll tell you why, because it took a lot of courage for my mom 
to come to Phoenix to visit me. She's been in her home pretty much in isolation since COVID started. And I wanted her to come and visit at Christmas, and she didn't, which was turned out to be a good thing because, you know, remember, I got the false positive COVID test. But she was ready at Easter. But she really struggled with whether or not she should, whether or not she could. And she's alone, and she's in her 80s. And she had, it's not a quick trip to get anywhere from Alaska. She had to get on a plane by herself. And I just thought, wow, it took a lot of courage for her to do that. And I could see her courage. And then her sister dies while she's at my house. Her sister dies. And then we have to decide, okay, so do we risk COVID, even though we've all been vaccinated, and go to Cleveland, Ohio, or Kent, it's actually Canton, Ohio, for this funeral? Or do we miss your sister's funeral? What do we do? And it took a lot of courage for her to say, I need to go and I need to be there. And then my sister, who lives in Michigan, where COVID numbers are so high, needed to come to the funeral. And she did it for my cousins and she did it for me because I'm like, please help me out here. Come help me. (laughs) And so my sister drove from Michigan through COVID to come to this funeral. And it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It sure does. And I think at the end of the day, what has to happen is you have to ask yourself if what you're missing out on outweighs the fear. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. So are you going to have regrets? I know that at Thanksgiving, my my son Cameron did not go see his grandma I mean, they were going to do this whole family reunion thing. Uh, He chose not to because of his fear that somehow he would get her sick. And it's a choice he had to make. And again, it's that courage to make the choice the other way, too, to say, no, like, I am not comfortable with this and stand up against the family pressure of like, we're all doing it. It's fine. And so it takes courage on both sides or both ways and anything in life. I mean, you have to weigh the pros and the cons and then just do what feels best for you. And sometimes that's not the most popular opinion, but you do it. Right. And you do it. And I used to always say that. I still say it to my kids. It's like, are you more likely to regret it if you do it? Or are you more likely to regret it if you don't do it? Answer that question honestly, and then you know you're doing the right thing. And I think that's a form of courage to force yourself into making that decision is do I do it or don't I? But all of that being said, <laughs> I still woke up last night in the middle of the night with a panic attack because it's like, okay, I was on that plane with my mom. We've spent nights in hotels. Now I'm in Atlanta with my daughter. And I'm like, okay, is this shot? Is this vaccine I've had really going to work? And then, of course, the news story today all day is, well, how many people are getting COVID even if they've been vaccinated? (laughs) It's like, well, crap. Now what am I going to do? I have someone very close in my life that has COVID right now. And I have been vaccinated. It's been two weeks. It should be effective. But why risk it? I've just had to say, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to risk it even if I am vaccinated. Like, I'm not going to knowingly put myself into a situation that could have negative effects. Exactly. But we chose to do this. We chose to get on that plane. We chose 
to spend nights in a hotel. We chose to go to this funeral. And will I regret it? Do I regret it? No. But do I still have some anxiety about catching COVID? Yes. So that's the panic attack I had last night. It's definitely nothing you can regret at this point because you followed your heart. And I know you, you made smart choices about the way you went about it. So it is what it is. It's up to fate now as to, I mean, I know that sounds, (laughs) that's true, but I mean, it is what it is at this point. And you got to pay your last respects to somebody who has been there with you every step of the way, cheering you on. So I think you made the right choice and that took courage. Yeah. Well, and I don't think it was so much about me paying my last respects. I think I could have done that via the live stream funeral. But I do think it was important that my mom be there. And I think she couldn't have gotten there by herself. And she needed help getting there. And that's where my sister stepped in. And she was like, I mean, I flew with my mom. I got my mom there. But my sister showed up and she she supported me. She supported my mom. She helped where she needed to help. And yeah. And in spite of the fact that she's from Michigan, where COVID numbers are really high right now. She put herself out there. Courage. It's all about courage. Right. And as we're talking about funerals, you know, another big news story lately and one that we have talked about kind of or the Mm -hmm. dynamics of the family kind of is Prince Philip passing away. I know, right? And, you know, at the time we did that episode on that, I remember saying like, I just feel so bad that the timing is incredibly bad with him being in the hospital, Prince Philip. And now he has passed away. And all I could think about is Harry walking into that environment that is now still a little bit (laughs) hostile. Right. Hostile. I wasn't going to use that word. I was trying to (laughs) sugarcoat my way around it. But yes, walk into an environment where you don't know what the reception's going to be and you don't have your wing woman with you. How tough is that? How much courage does it take to walk into that? but you walk into it knowing you're making the best decision for that person that you loved and want to pay respects to. How do you think that all went? Oh, Are you going to watch on Saturday to see if you can pick up any of the vibes or well, I'm going to watch to pay respects and then right. if I pick up any of the vibes? I really want to watch. I'm flying back to Phoenix on Saturday. Hopefully the aircraft I'm on will have the TV <laughs> so I can watch it, but I may not get to see it just because I'm flying. Well, you could always have the kids um, tape video. Yeah, tape it. Right, right. I was going to say video record, but like that dated (laughs) me, right? Well, I even think taping it is dating us because I'm pretty sure I could go to like YouTube TV or YouTube or any one of those channels and find it. down the road. Right. It'll probably, it'll probably be on instant, like replay over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 My heart hurts for that whole family. And it's going to take courage on everybody's part to get through that, not only for the loss, but then for everything going on, on top of that, plus the nation on top of that and the world on top of that, like you're throwing in a lot of dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when you bring up Prince Harry, yeah, to go into that environment, I mean, how many times Maybe you're not like this. Maybe you're more confident than I am. But how many times have you had to go somewhere by yourself, like into a party or into an event 
where you're showing up totally by yourself and how difficult that is. And that, again, is where courage is that little voice that says you can do this or try again, because I think everyone, I think, I hope everyone at some point feels that insecurity of showing up alone anywhere when there's a yes I feel (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about and that's usually when I call in with a headache oh not really feeling very good or uh, no I I try to push myself but if I do not know what all the situation or environment I'm I'm getting ready to walk into oh gosh I know right I remember the first day as an adult this was 10 years ago when I, the first day I went to this interior design course that I signed up for that first day and how terrified I was that day and the courage it took for me to get out of my car. Well, first to get into my car and actually drive (laughs) to get there and then to pull into that parking lot. And I went into the school and Of course, you know, there are like 25 students and I have to find a place to sit. And of course, I'm early. And the first place I sit down, the woman that was sitting at that table said, oh, that seat is taken. You can't sit there. And are we in high school? I know. Right. And I'm thinking, holy cow. And it's like, fine, I won't sit here. But but then you have to pick yourself up and look around and try again. And again, there's that little voice saying try again. And I have to pick another seat. And fortunately, at that moment, a woman at a different table said, Oh, here, this seat is empty. You can sit here. Thank God. (laughs) Well, all I'm picturing is when that woman's like, No, you can't sit here. You looking at her and saying, Well, fine. And your shoes are ugly, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in a more confident state, I would probably say that. But at that very vulnerable moment of mine where it's like, okay, this is my first day here. You could be a little nicer. And sitting on that seat is taken. <laughs> you little brat. I, I wanted know. to slap her upside the head, but oh well. <laughs> did you ever become friends with her? Like no. during the course of the class, did you ever like her or talk no, to her? No, never did. Did you get better grades than her? I did. See? <laughs> I did. Karma. <laughs> Karma. <laughs> That's right. I don't think she cared. I really don't, but it doesn't matter. It's all behind me. But uh, obviously, I've hung on. No, it's to not. That. I've it's not. Yeah. I've hung on to that moment for a long time. But here we are. Yeah. Well, you were telling me the other day, or when you first brought up this topic of courage, you were telling me a story that you read about on Facebook. Yes. And why don't you share that with everybody? Because that speaks volumes to what we are talking about today. Right. And I tried over and over again to refine this post that popped up on Facebook. And for the life of me, I couldn't find it. You know how you find something when you're scrolling through and you see it and and then it seems to like disappear forever. But you do know, Suzanne, that there is a save button. You can save that so you can go back and revisit it. True. And I have to remember to do that. You know, I read this article, I was so moved by it. And then I just kept scrolling. And it's like, why didn't I just save it so I could go back to it? But yeah, I didn't have the foresight to do that. But it stuck with me, like a good book does. It stuck with me. Anyway, there were three people on a plane. And the 
woman of the couple that was on the plane wrote the story. It was her and her husband and a young man. Sounds like he was headed home from college, so 19, 20 years old, but wasn't a frequent flyer. And she describes how in their flight hit turbulence. And it was one of those turbulent flights where people were gripping their arm rests and there were yelps and gasps and even a few screams, you know, so really bumpy. And she was holding her husband's hand really tight. And she said that this kid, and I call him a kid, but he's 19 years old, grabs her other hand and looks at her terrified and says, just talk to me. I need someone to talk to me. I'm scared to death. So then she introduced herself, her husband introduced himself, and they talked him through the turbulence and they had a conversation. She told them about her family. She asked about his family to distract him. And, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, the turbulence was over and he had relaxed. He thanked her And she said she was so struck by it because she said the courage wasn't getting through the turbulence. The courage was asking for help when he needed it. That just struck me because that in and of itself is such an act of courage to ask for help when you need it. And I was telling my daughter Katie about this story and how it inspired me to come up with this topic that we're talking about. (laughs) She said, well, mom, sometimes your adrenaline is just running so hard that you don't have any choice. You do what you have to, to survive the moment. And the courage there is hoping that these people don't laugh at him and say, ha ha ha, you're silly. Don't be afraid. You know, it takes courage to hope that these people are going to latch onto and make him feel better. I completely understand on any given day, in any given situation, for me personally, it is so hard to ask for help and to do it really in that time of need. I feel for the kid. He was in a place and uh, he extended that and it was latched onto and everybody came out stronger and learning a lesson from that. That's awesome. I love that story. I do too. And when I was thinking about the story, Then I thought about, well, what really is courage? And then I thought, okay, well, then we're talking about admitting to needing help. And I got mad at myself when I I kept going back to that word, you need to admit when you need help. It struck me that I kept going back to that word because I think that word really has a derogatory connotation. When someone has to admit to something it makes it sound like it's a weakness. We shouldn't be using the word admit when we need help. We should be saying, I need help and not feel like I'm admitting to something. It takes courage. You should be proud of yourself for asking for help instead of feeling like it's not a good thing that you had to ask for help. Do you see my point? I do see your point. And I personally, in my own life, don't think I can ever get there. I hope to, I will strive for it in my life after having this conversation at being brought to my awareness, but it is so hard for me to ask for, for any help. And it could be washing the dishes. It could be something as simple as that. It could be asking someone to pick me up from the airport. I just, ah, it's so hard because I don't want to put people in the position of having 
to say no or turning me down or feeling obligated, I guess. But it's really, I need to get over myself and just put it out there because people want to help. They're waiting. Right. And that's exactly it. It's like if we go through life assuming that people want to help instead of being afraid that they don't want to help, doesn't it kind of put a whole different perspective on life? It actually really does. Yeah. yeah. Listening to you, it actually is like making so much sense. And it really, it really does because I do take that position of burden rather than that position of I'd love to help. But if the shoe were on the other foot and someone else was needing help and they asked me, I'm just assuming they know I want to help. And do you see what I'm saying? Like for me, I'm feeling like people will take it as a burden, but to give it back to somebody, I am thinking like, yeah, absolutely. And it's just a different mindset. Right. And why is it that we go through life assuming that it's a burden to ask for help? Because it's not, because I agree with you. If someone asks me for help, I am more than eager to jump in and do what I can, because I that's how I feel. I feel like wow, give me that opportunity to help any way I can. Just ask me for help and I will be there. I will help. But then why is it in the reverse? I don't want to burden anyone and ask for help. It shouldn't feel like a burden. No, that's a really good point. And it kind of brings me to the subject and I'm going to just briefly touch on it before releasing it. But we were talking about a future episode and how well, you brought it up actually, how we would really like to do something on the five languages of love. And we're going to revisit that in the future, or we're going to visit it for the first time. But I just want to touch on it because for me, the way I show love and I've accepted it is acts of service. Like if I can help somebody, if I can do something nice for you, that is how I show my love and my gratitude and my feeling. So this is like a game changer here. I'm really going to have to think on this and wonder why I think that people will take it as a burden when I myself am so willing to show my love that way. Exactly. And I think it's because we link words that scream weakness, like having to admit to something. I think the word admit, and this could just be my version or how I see the word admit. But when we say we have to admit that we need help, it's like all of a sudden we're making it a weakness. And it's not a weakness. It's a strength to say, I need help. That is so true. I'm so very thankful for this conversation because looking at courage, again, it doesn't have to be something grandiose. It doesn't have to be like this over-the-top thing for people to say you have courage. Sometimes it's just getting up in the morning. Sometimes it's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm going to have a better day. Sometimes it's just saying, I'm sorry. You know, being able to say, I'm sorry, is such a thing that takes courage. See, and I think that's a huge one. For me, it takes the most courage for me to do is to apologize, to say, I recognize that I hurt you. I recognize that I did something wrong. And I apologize for it. That to me is the purest form of courage is to step up and be able to do that. And we all walk in this daily because we're human and that's what we do. We learn, we live, and we don't have all the answers. So sometimes we have to go back and say, sorry. On top of that is I really pride myself on trying to 
live the most authentic life that I can and be true to who I am. And sometimes it's courage to look at a situation and to say, this isn't working for me. And this isn't fitting into the version of myself I like. And then having to make those cuts or those decisions that might not be popular. Does that make sense? (laughs) It does make sense. I have a couple of quotes here that maybe we want to expand on, maybe we don't, but they're all about courage. So this one is by Winston Churchill. Success is not final, but failure is not fatal. It is courage to continue that counts. I love that quote. That's brilliant. I do too. Yeah. Because when we think about failing, I think that the fear of failure is what prevents us from being courageous. And I think when you decide that failure isn't going to kill you, (laughs) maybe it makes courage a little easier. And that it does. And everybody in their life and their their path, they're going to face both. And if you stop with that first failure, you're never going to know where you could have gotten. So keep trying and courageous. I love it. Okay, so here's another quote that I love. Um, And this is by George Martin from Game of Thrones. And I think that this, although I did not watch Game of Thrones, I think that this was a conversation between a boy and his father. And the boy asks his father, can a person be brave if he is afraid? And the father says, that is the only time a person can be brave and courageous. Wow, that makes me want to actually cry. It is so beautiful and so true and deeper than I let myself go (laughs) a lot of times. Just, yeah. Yeah. The only time you can be courageous is when you're dealing with something you're afraid of. And having to step into the shoes of that next version of you. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's wonderful. Right. Okay. So here, this quote is by Erica John, who I think was a journalist. I'm not sure. Everyone has talent. What is rare is the courage to follow your talent and believe in it. And you know why I like that one? (laughs) Because when I opened my store, I knew I had the talent to do it, but there was nothing more terrifying to me than to actually do it. And in the entire process of opening my store and everything I did, I was continually trying to talk myself out of it. My inner voice would try to talk me out of it. Our inner voices are nasty little bitches. They, I just they, I know, they can be. They really can be. Because it's like, why is it that I knew I had the talent to do what I wanted to do? Well, I have an answer to that. But yet, my inner voice kept telling me, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And here's why. And here's why. And here's why. And I had to continually talk my inner voice out of telling me I couldn't do it. Right. And if you look at it this way too, so you realize and recognize you have the talent and this is a vision and something you wanted to do in your life. So you stand up to that challenge and then you get faced with all these other challenges you never could have anticipated when you started this and you're testing yourself and you're pushing through it and you're growing every day you choose to show up, that's courage. That's courage to, you know, look at it from another perspective and learn from it and 
Yeah, no, wonderful quote there also. Right. I'm feeling really inspired right now. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you are. Um, But I have to go back to that because I said, why is it that I couldn't convince myself that my talent was good enough? It's because I had certain talents, but I also had certain things that I knew nothing about. And I had the right people in my life who stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to help you with the parts of this that you don't know, like how to run a business, how to set up your books, how to get the right computer system. So in all honesty, I was lucky enough to have people in my life who stepped up and said, this is what how I want to help you and let me help you. And they offered. And you accepted. And I accepted, and but they pulled me through. So I just want to be very clear on that, that it was, it, it's only because I had these people in my life to do this for me, to get me to that level of confidence where I could actually open the store. Okay, but that is all true. But you are selling yourself a little short there because you had to have the determination and tenacity to follow that dream. So it was a combined effort. Yes. And I completely hear what you're saying um, again with, well, not again, because I haven't talked about it for a while, but putting Goodnight Sweet Bear out there. Yes. That is putting my heart, that is putting my vision out there for others to criticize. I mean, I should not have approached it that way. I should have been like for everybody to enjoy. And that was my my thought process behind it is I will put that out there. And hopefully this is a story that A, the kids like because it's a rhyme, a rhyming story. And B, it's one parents can relate to and get that feeling of connection and memories of their own childhood. That was my vision. But then again, that inner voice, that's the one that was saying, you can't do it. Yeah, you're opening yourself up to exposure and it's shutting that down and doing it anyway. Right. And that's exactly right. And that goes back to that quote, that failure is not fatal. And so you you trusted that and you went for it. I have to tell you what my mom said, because you know I have your book in my store. And when she was visiting me in Phoenix, she came to my store and she walked through and she found your book in in my little kids section of my store Uh, She didn't even know the book existed, really. And she sat down in my chair in my store, and she read this book to herself. And Really? Yeah. Gosh. Well, and it gets better for you, maybe not so much for me, because like a half an hour later after we had left the store, she said, you know what the best thing about your store or the best thing you have in your store is? I said, no, what? And she said, that book your friend Michelle wrote. She said, what a wonderful story. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, right? And I just a compliment. I know. And I laughed. And not to mention because she was a preschool for like 45, 50 years of her adult life. She taught preschool. Yeah, not only a preschool teacher, but was she the director? I mean, she, yes, she worked I mean, within the preschool environment for years. Wow. Oh, yeah. For wow. her entire adult life, she was in that. So she she recognizes good stories. She recognizes great children's stories. And she sat there and read the whole book and that was her comment. It was the best thing in my store. That's why it was like, not so much for me because it's like, if that's the best you could do is the book. <laughs> I mean, if I were a children's store, great. But yeah, I have your book in my store. And yes, my, my preschool teacher mom was like, best thing in the store. 
So well, maybe talking to you about this will give me the courage to actually go and talk to other stores about putting it in there. Yes. That is the hardest part for me. I Rob gets so frustrated. He's like, I believe in you. I believe in this book. I know where it came from. I know the heart of it. Let me help you get it out there. But it's me kind of going, well, you know, it's been COVID or well, you know, it's always that dragging my feet. Yeah. And it is a hard thing to do because you're talking yourself out of it. I know that inner voice is a bitch. Yeah, it is. But failure, if someone says no to you, that's not fatal. And it's not personal. They're just saying no. And you can walk away from it saying, okay, so they said no, I'll go find someone who will say yes. So I think you should. I I agree with Rob. You should be out there getting your books in other stores because, yeah, it's a great book. My preschool mom, teacher mom said so. Well, if she said so, you know it's true. So everybody listening... Go check out a copy of Goodnight Sweet Bear (laughs) and go to Why Hello in Scottsdale. There you go. I was just going to say, I can't believe that we were able to um, talk about courage for as long as we did, because, you know, going into this podcast, I was like, I don't know if we have enough information to talk about courage. And you said, well, we will do what we can. And here we are. Do what we can. Yeah. And I think I even said, like, we'll have the courage to say it's going to be a shorter episode. And that's okay. Right. Right. You did say that. And guess what? It's not even going to be a shorter episode. Whoa. Well, (laughs) I guess with all that shared, I am right now going to have the courage to say that I am out of champagne. So I'm going to go refill my glass. And I need to say until next time, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.